can turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2, the book of Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, no worries. All of the scriptures today will be on the screen, so you can just check it out up there. Yesterday, the day before uh, Christmas Eve, I had my focus and my attention set on two different airplanes, and I'll explain what I mean. The first airplane was my airplane. So I was up in the Carolinas uh, visiting my family, and I wanted to return to Christmas Eve to be here with you, my church family. But it was very cold and very windy up in the Carolinas. And by the way, like, it really does actually feel like Christmas here in Florida, doesn't it? Like, are you guys stoked about that? I'm excited. Like, one day a year, let's, let's have it. Let's go for it. So uh, in the Carolinas, it was getting very windy. There was a lot of high winds. And there was this moment where I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make my flight. And me and Pastor Dave were texting, and I was, like, really worried. And I was like, I kind of have somewhere to be on Christmas Eve. So, like, I was stressed out. And finally was able to get on my flight, arrive here safely, and I'm here with you guys, and I'm very excited to be here with you guys. Yes. Um, The other plane that I was focused on yesterday, uh, one of my dear friends uh, was flying up to uh, surprise his, his girlfriend and meet his girlfriend's family. And I was just so stoked about this. I found out about it. And I'm going to be honest, I was just hooked. I was like, I'm immediately like in on this story. And um Again, weather delays, all sorts of difficulty, uh, and, and I, I was stressed. And so I was finding out, like, his flight was delayed. And when his flight got delayed, immediately I was like, I am going to make sure that his flight takes off. And I don't have any power to do it, but the only thing I could do was, like, refresh on Google every five minutes and make sure his flight wasn't getting delayed more. And I actually stayed up late because I felt like if his flight got canceled and I was not awake, it would have been my fault. And so I stayed up until his flight took off. And then this morning, the first thing I did, it wasn't pray. It wasn't read my Bible. It was wake up and make sure he landed safely, okay? And so, like, I was in. I tell you these stories because on Christmas, around the holidays, around Thanksgiving, the goal is we spend time with the people that we love. We, we carve out space in our calendars to spend time with the ones that we care about the most, or at least the ones that we're forced to care about the most. So if, you're, if that's your situation, don't laugh too hard. You know, act surprised and confused. But we spend time with the ones we loved. And as I was thinking about the Christmas story, I kind of asked myself this question. Who did God want to spend Christmas with during the first Christmas? I mean, God could have picked anyone to spend Christmas with. So who did he decide to spend Christmas with? And today as we study the Christmas story, we're going to see what God values, who God wants to be part of his story based on the characters surrounding Christmas. But let's read the Christmas story. Let's start first in Luke chapter 2. So hopefully you are there, but if you're not, no worries. On the screen, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so what we see here is that the emperor, the king of the entire known world, has called this census because he wants to probably raise taxes. And so he needs to know how many people are in his empire. And he says, you all have to go back to where you're from. And so what we're going to find out is these key characters. It says in verse 4, 
Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So what we see here is Mary and Joseph, they're a young, engaged couple. But even though they're engaged, they're not married, and the key character is Mary. Mary was a virgin, but she was, uh, an angel appeared to her and told her some pretty shocking news, that, that God's power was going to conceive in her a son. And it wasn't going to be an ordinary son. It was going to be Jesus. He was going to be the savior of the world. God coming down and stepping onto planet earth, becoming a baby, living as a human being, and ultimately eventually dying for the sins of the world. Now, Jesus, the Savior, Emmanuel, he had been prayed for and predicted and longed for for years and years. Hundreds and hundreds of years, people were yearning and longing for Jesus to come. And so Mary was told that you're going to be the one to give birth to the Savior, not only of our people, but also of the entire world. And then we see in verse 6, it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And so God, born to a human, God in the flesh, the Savior of the world is born. This is the most important birth in all of human history. And yet it happened in basic secrecy. No one knew about it. There were no journalists, there were no spectators, there was no fanfare. He was born into a tiny village in the middle of nowhere. And this Christmas story is pretty familiar to us. Many of us have grown up in church, we've heard this story every year for our whole lives, so we're used to it. But, but some of us, even if you would not identify as a Christian, Maybe you're not really interested in church. Maybe this is something that you do once or twice a year. I'm guessing even you have heard this Christmas story a few times. You're familiar with how it goes and the different scenes. And so it's easy for us to get numb to it or used to it. But, but there, and there's a lot of different ways we can look at it. But what I want to look at today is this. On the first Christmas, who did God want to spend Christmas with? Who did God want to spend Christmas with? And we're going to see four characters. First off, look with me at verse 8 of chapter 2. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So th think about kind of the Google Earth or the Google Maps image. And think about that it's zoomed in on the stable, on the place where Jesus was born. And now zoom out and just a couple of miles away on a hillside, there are some shepherds. And shepherds are doing what shepherds do. They're watching sheep. This is probably a pretty boring night. It's a probably a nothing is really happening kind of a night. And in the moment, in the midst of this something powerful happens. An angel shows up and not just some random guy. It says the glory of the Lord is shining around him. Now I am someone, I don't know about you. I'm kind of uh, being honest and, and bearing my soul here. I'm someone who like 
jumps easily. Is anyone like this where like if someone shows up and says hello and you don't know they're in the room, you're like a jumpy? I'm jumpy, okay? And so if I was a shepherd, no matter who rolled up, I, I would be scared. But the fact is there is an angel with the glory of God shining around. Like they are terrified. They are freaking out. And so the first thing the angel says in verse 10 is this. Do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So what that means is great joy for all people. You all, I am all people. So every single person in this room watching online you, th- this message is for you. This good news is for you. And it says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the savior of the world. And this will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the Jewish people, they had been praying and longing for the savior for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And the angel comes to them And he says to them, what you've been praying for has come true. God has answered your prayers. The Savior is here. And it's not just for you, it's for the whole world. Verse 13, it says, Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. So not only does God send one angel, he sends a heavenly choir of hundreds of angels to to sing and to proclaim to these shepherds that the Savior had been born. Now, I was reading this and I thought it was really fascinating. As far as I'm aware, there's nowhere else in Scripture where a heavenly choir sings and announces a birth. So this is a really big deal. But, but God did not send this heavenly choir to a palace. He did not send the choir to a center of civilization where hundreds of people would know. He didn't send it to someone influential. God sent the choir to a tiny group of shepherds that were in a random field in the middle of nowhere. This would be like you preparing an amazing Broadway play, but your only performance ever was for a group of farmers who were cleaning their machinery at the end of the day on some farm in the middle of nowhere. Why why did God do this? Well, I think it's important for us to understand who shepherds really were. If, if you've been around the Christmas story, you know this, but shepherds were not the most respected of all the people. Shepherd was the job that you got if you couldn't get any other jobs. They, they were the, the rejects of society. They were the ones that every single other person looked down upon. Like if you wanted to be a shepherd, no references needed. You don't have to fill out a job application. You don't have to do a drug test. Like you can just be, anybody can be a shepherd. It's that kind of a job. And so you can write this down if you want. I think it's so important for us as we think about who Jesus came for, write this down that if you've ever been rejected or ridiculed, Jesus came for you. Shepherds were the outcasts of society. And I don't know how you walked in here. I don't know the story that has gone on in every single life here. 
But I know many of us have believed and felt rejected. Maybe you felt rejected by your family, maybe by friends or maybe growing up in school. Maybe you tried to pursue a dream and that pursuit fell short and you feel disappointed. You feel like you have failed. But what God's sending the angels to visit the shepherds shows us is that God's value system is not the same as our value system. And that God loves every person and that the Christmas story is for every person. Jesus is for every person and he came for everybody. He invites us to draw near to him. And if you felt rejected, then I want to let you know that Jesus came for you. Now let's keep reading. Now we were in Luke 2. I'm going to just take us over to Matthew 2. If you want, you can turn there, but it will also be on the screen. Matthew 2, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to explain what Magi are in a moment, but this could have happened in the first year to first couple of years after Jesus' birth. So the Magi came to Jerusalem, and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, these Magi, perhaps you're familiar with the song, We Three Kings. Uh, These Magi are what are talked about in We Three Kings, but I'm here to spoil the song for you. Uh, First off, there may not have been three magi. There may have been many. And secondly, uh, they were not kings. Uh, Your Bible may say magi or it may say wise men, but the Greek word is actually a word for an astrologer, for someone who uh, dabbles in spirituality or uses spirituality in order to discern things. Maybe they looked at the stars. Maybe they had other ways of practicing. But if you think about it, it's it's a magician. It's someone who practices the dark arts. You might call it a wizard. And so this is a person who these magi, they they did not follow Jesus. They were not Hebrew people. They were not people who uh, practiced reading the Old Testament or knowing uh, the, the Jewish rules or the Jewish regulations. They came from far away, and they were from a completely different religion. And yet... They were drawn to Jesus. And so this brings us to the second thing, if you want to write it down. It's this, that if you consider yourself to be spiritual, Jesus came for you. Now, if you look at the trends and the statistics, in my generation, the millennial generation, and then in the generation that comes up after me, Gen Z, uh, people are growing uh, less and less connected to like organized religion. So like a church service like this, but they are growing more and more interested in spirituality. And so many people are, are engaging in different forms of spirituality. And the reason is that God created each of us with, with a soul, with a desire to connect to the eternal. And so even if we reject the, the true God, we still have a longing to connect with something spiritual. And so many people in my generation are doing things like just manifestation or tarot cards or, um, or, or practicing uh, d- just different forms of spirituality in order to connect with some sort of spirit out there. Now, I want you to hear me because first off, I want to say this. I'm not saying that every path or every road leads to Jesus because it does not. And I'm not saying that you can just add Jesus to whatever you're currently doing and it'll be great. Like I'll add a little Jesus and I'll add a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm not saying that. And I'm also not saying that 
all spirituality is equal or beneficial. But here's what's fascinating, that the Magi were not studying the Bible, but, but they were using their spirituality and they discerned that something powerful had happened and that a king had been born, that Jesus had been born. And here's the reason for this. It says in Colossians 1, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So Jesus created everything seen and unseen. And we also see that he made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. And everything was created through him and for him. And so here's what we need to understand. That there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of Jesus and there is the kingdom of darkness. And within the kingdom of darkness, there are various things that, that go on. And there's various ways you can engage with those things. But even in the kingdom of darkness, Jesus is still the name that is above every name. And so what we need to realize is that every single demon has to bow to Jesus. Every single dark spirit has to bow to Jesus because he is king and he is Lord. When he died and when he rose again, he defeated all of the demonic powers and he became the king, the name above every name. And so what we see here is that these magi, they were drawn to Jesus. And this is what we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. By the way, I'm skipping a very sad and very intense part of the story. We don't have time. But in verse 9, it says this, The star that they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So there's a couple application points that you and I can take away from the story of the Magi. First off, we can see that Jesus came for those who are far away. You, you know, the Magi were literally far away. They had to come from a great distance, but spiritually they were also far away. Maybe you're in here and you didn't grow up around this. You're not familiar with this, but, but something about it interests you. I want to let you know that even if you feel far from God, the Christmas story is that God came close to us. And the Christmas story says that Jesus is actually drawing near to us. And so I want to let you know that Jesus is drawing near to you and that he's inviting you into a relationship with God. Even if you feel far away, Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. That's the first application point. But the other thing that we see here is that Jesus is the most powerful being in the universe. And so for, for those of you who are in here, Many of us, maybe we are engaging in other forms of spirituality. Maybe you're connecting with some sort of spiritual realm that's bringing you peace or bringing you hope in some temporary way. But I want to encourage you to be like the Magi and to realize that, that Jesus is King, that he is Lord. And to worship him, the Magi, they worshiped him. They brought their tribute to him. And I want to encourage you, serve Jesus Follow Jesus, worship Jesus. All right, let's keep reading. I want to show us two other characters, two other people that Jesus, God wanted to be a part of the first Christmas story. 
In ver- and we're going to be back in Luke 2, by the way. So if you stayed in Luke 2, you can look at verse 25, and it says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and he was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, the wise men were far, but Simeon was near. Simeon had grown up around the faith. He had read the Old Testament. He had memorized much of it. He prayed and he was praying that God would send a savior. And so Simeon was longing for this Messiah to come. And this is what we see in verse 27. It says, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, the the parents, Mary and Joseph, they're taking Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. This was the tradition that they would do uh, the eighth day after Jesus was born. Now, in the back here, we have a beautiful graphic designed by our team of the temple. And you see Jerusalem surrounding it, the temple there, the, the the, the area kind of in between the walls, that is the temple courts. And there would have been many people in there. There would have been a lot going on there. And Simeon, this man who is devout, who's been praying and asking God to move, Simeon sees Jesus and he understands that Jesus is the Messiah. And he's so excited, he goes and he, he takes this baby in his hands. Now, my wife Katie and I, we have, we have two kids. We have a two-year-old and we have a six-month-old. And, and we don't like when just random strangers come up and grab our baby. So I just want to tell you that most parents aren't a huge fan when just a random person comes up and is like, let me hold your child, okay? So this is like one of those Bible verses like, you know, maybe you don't apply it to your life as like, I'm going to just see some babies and grab them in church. You know, that's not, that's not where this is going. But Simeon is so excited. He is so grateful that he sees his Messiah that all he could do is celebrate and all he can do is, is worship God. Now, this is, leads us to our third point, and our third point is this. If you grew up around the Christian faith, Jesus came for you. You see, there are some of us that we are far from God. But some of us, we have been around the faith for our whole lives. Maybe you grew up with Christian parents, and maybe you've been around church your whole life. Maybe you even grew up in the faith, but then when you got a little older, you, you decided that it wasn't for you, and you just are popping back in for a holiday. But, but I want to let you know something, and I want to show you something from this story. You see, Simeon, he, he was a devout man. He was a religious man. But his life and his faith was not complete until he had an encounter with Jesus. And what I want you to see is this, that it's not good enough for you to just have your parents' faith. It's not good enough for you to have had some experience in the past. What you need is a daily encounter with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what each one of us need, what God is hoping for us to walk in and step into in this moment is for us to say, even if I grew up around faith, what I need is a relationship with Jesus. What I need is to walk with Jesus each and every single day. And for Simeon, when he had that moment, it changed everything for him. In just a few moments, I want to create a space for God to speak to you and and to ask God to move. And maybe for some people in this room, 
everything will change. And this will be a day that you look back on as having an encounter with Jesus. But look at one more story with me. Verse 36, we're still in the temple and it says this, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now what we see here in the character of Anna, she is hanging around the temple and sees Simeon holding him and she gets excited and begins to praise God. But what we see is a a woman who has had a difficult life. She was married for seven years, but for most of her life, she was a widow. And she has lived in, in this very difficult state, especially at that time, being a widow would have been incredibly difficult. But she's lived in that state, praising and worshiping and serving God. And, and so this is, leads us to the fourth thing, and if you want to write it down, you can, that if your year or your life has not gone the way you thought, Jesus came for you. See, many of us in here can identify with Anna. Maybe we walked into 2022 with great excitement, but 2022 has actually been a devastating year. Maybe you're here and and you're thinking about a person that you came to Christmas Eve with last year that is not with you anymore. And and I know that many of us in during this time, it's hard as we're grieving and as we're remembering the loss of loved ones. and, And as a church, we're with you and we're praying for you and and, and we love you. But, but I think it can be a cr- incredibly difficult, especially around the holidays. I was listening to a, a message from a pastor a couple of days ago, and it was a Christmas message. And he was talking about all of the Christmas Eve movies that we love so very much. And, and almost all of them end with a happy ending. You know, like it's like Buddy the Elf gets reunited with his dad and they live happily ever after. The, the, the boy, he ends up with the red rider gun that he so desperately wanted. The, the, the check clears, and now we're able to install a family pool in the backyard. And so there's all of these happy endings that happen. It's like, man, Christmas is about our wildest dreams coming true. But the reality is, for, for some of us, like this wasn't a year where dreams came true. It was a year of nightmares. It was a year of challenge. But what I want us to see is that Anna lived a very hard life, and yet she found hope in Jesus. She never left from clinging on to hope with God. And I want to encourage you, man, if if we place our hope, if we place our trust in our circumstances, our life is always going to be up and down. But Anna placed her hope in God. She held on to God, and he did not let her down. Now, one more verse that I want to read for us as we close. Remember that I told you that Simeon grabbed the baby in his arms. And he began to praise God. I want to put up what he said in this prayer. Verse 29, it said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now what we see here, revelation for the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel, that just means Jesus literally came for everyone. 
But I want to highlight, Simeon, he says this. He says, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. What he's saying is, now that he has had an encounter with Jesus, he can die in peace. He can die knowing that, that, that he is safe and that he is secure, that, that he can go home. And as we close, this is the last thing that I want to share with you. That there is no true peace in life or in death without Jesus. There's no true peace. You see, each and every one of us in here, we, we live and each and every one of us in here will face a day when we're going to die. And what Simeon says is, because I've had this experience with Jesus, I can now die in peace. You see, Jesus, he came as a baby. But in reality, his purpose what was to grow up to be a man, and in that time, he lived a perfect life. But he hung on a cross as a man, and he died. And when that happened, he paid for our sins. So that you and I, we have the potential to have peace with God. And the greatest problem that you and I have is that if we don't have Jesus in our lives, we do not have peace with God. Now, many people, especially in our day and age, when they think about God, they think about that God needs to prove himself to to us. Like, God, you need to show me something. But the reality is, and what we need to understand is, that that our, we need to flip that, and that our problem is that without Jesus, we do not have peace with God. That we do not have, because our sin is separating us from God. Our rebellion is separating us from God. But Jesus came to this earth, and he came to die for our sins. So that when we have Jesus in our lives, we have forgiveness for our sins. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus actually invites us into a new relationship with God. He he invites us to have the potential to walk with God every single day, to have the purpose of serving God, to have a community around us of other followers of Jesus who are helping us and who are encouraging us and who are walking with us. So Jesus came literally to restore us, to make us new, to offer us a fresh start, to change our lives. And so it's so important for us to realize that the moment that Jesus came was a moment that for each and every single one of us is an invitation for us to come. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're someone that you felt rejected before. I don't know if you feel far away. If you have had a hard life like Anna or if you grew up around the things of God like Simeon. But Jesus came for you and if you don't have a relationship with him, then right now he is inviting you into a relationship with him. So I want to invite us all right now to bow our heads and to pray. I really believe that when people start a relationship with God, it's not because of an eloquent preacher, but it's because God is personal and he moves on each and every one of our hearts. And so for some of you, you've been far away from God. You've ran away and God is drawing you back. He's asking you to rededicate your life to him. For some of you, you've never started a relationship with him at all. And and God is asking you and saying, hey, I want to make you new. I want to give you a fresh start. I want you to give you forgiveness of sins. I want to change you forever. And so wherever you're at, if you're not a Christian and you feel like God is is, is drawing you in, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And so I'm going to count to three. 
And what I want you to do is just simply to raise your hands in the air. I'm not going to manipulate anything. I'm not going to coerce, but I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond. So if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, then one, two, three, raise your hands in the air. Hands going up everywhere. If you're four years old, if you're 94 years old, raise your hands. Praise God. Hands all over the place going up. If you're in the balcony, you can raise your hand. Keep those hands up just so I can see you for just one moment. It's so beautiful to see so many people raising their hands. So happy for what God is doing and how he's moving in this moment. Just want to give it one more moment. If you feel God tugging on your heart and you know that that you need to respond, raise your hand. Anybody else? All right, you can put your hands down. I hope that I was able to make eye contact with everyone, but if I wasn't, God saw you and he loves you. Now here's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray a simple prayer in your heart to God. I'm gonna guide it. And and this is not a magic prayer. It's not magic words, but it's you placing your faith in Jesus. So just say a simple prayer like this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I know that I have walked away from you, God, but I want to return to you. I want you to forgive my sins. I want you to give me a new start. Thank you that you're changing me. Thank you that you're saving me. Thank you that you're rescuing me. God, please help me to follow you. Bring people around me that are going to help me on the journey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.